It's time for the Turf Grand Zealot audio cast. From the worldwide command center of intergalactic turf heads, it's the Turf Grand Zealot audio cast. Only on Turfnet Radio. With the chief turf head, the guru of fescue, the Alatola of iron, Mr. Dave Wilbur. There's only one zealot, only on Turfnet Radio. The views, opinions and general insanity expressed during this podcast are those of Dave Wilbur and his guests. Do not try this at home. When I was a young turf head, there was this thing that I couldn't stand. You know, I'd go to meetings and events or whatever, you know, and, uh, and inevitably somebody would be there and they'd be talking about some older guy that I didn't know who was either sick or had disappeared or was about to pass away or was having some sort of trouble or maybe who even had died. And I couldn't stand it. I just, I felt like it was just, oh man, these guys are just living in the past, you know? That was when I was a young turf head. And as I've gotten older in the business, I've started to realize that that attitude really stinks. Nothing has made that clearer than the passing of a very good friend named Jerry Coldiron, who passed away this past Thanksgiving unexpectedly. You see, Jerry and I met when I was a young turf head. And Jerry was a little bit older than me, but he was just this larger-than-life character. Golf course superintendent. Had two golf courses that he ran. Just in stellar fashion. Communicator. Was part of the original crew on on Turfbite and then Turfnet. When Turfnet got started with Peter McCormick, Jerry was right in the mix, man. He was right in the middle of it. And when we would all get together for what we called beer and pretzels, you know, this small meetup kind of thing that we did, Jerry was never missing, and he was like he was like the one man greeting committee, you know. He knew everybody, everybody knew him, but he wasn't a politician. Look, if you haven't figured out something about our business, I'm going to give you a clue right now. I'm going to give you a very big piece Our business is about grass. There's no question. 
right? It's about preparation of a playing surface. There's no question. It's about dealing with our staffs, dealing with agronomy, dealing with finances, the rules of golf. There's no question. But what they don't teach you in the GCSAA certification class or in other places that are the hallowed halls of turf grass is that the real gold in our business, the real gold is relationships. Relationships, man, they count. And, and I know that you guys know this, even you younger guys that are listening right now, you know that when you go to a meeting or you go to say, you know, or, or just get together with some buddies for a beer or whatever, those relationships, they're important. You know, we talk about everything. We talk about, we bitch and moan and carry on about, you know, golfers, members, mechanics, staff members, whatever, but those relationships are so important. When I was a young turf head, I was I was lucky enough in Denver uh, with my first superintendent's job to be invited on a regular basis to have drinks with some of the some of the oh, I don't know you want to call them up and comers or whatever I mean they were just some of the some of the gang from Denver. We'd meet in various places and have drinks and talk, and always I would learn something. And those relationships that I formed then, I, I still have them today. Relationships are the true gold of our business. But there's one harsh reality. There's one very harsh reality. Is that people come and go. They come and go for various reasons. And even though now we live in the electronic world where you can, you know, email somebody immediately, where long distance phone calls don't really exist, you know, you just dial. You can keep track with people really easily, Facebook, all those things, right? The day that Jerry Coldiron passed away and I got the news from Peter McCormick, I I realized that Jerry and I's relationship had become electronic. It had become cyber and it was kind of always that way, but it had really become that way. Some emails, some Twitter messages, private messages, things like that were the most personal things. It had been years since I'd been on the phone with Jerry. And I would see him every year at the GIS and we would hug and, you know, and just like old buddies, man. But I didn't pick up the phone enough. I didn't talk to the guy enough. We didn't foster that relationship enough, you know, and it just tells me that I, I have something to learn. And so do you. I hope you learn something from this. 
is that those relationships count. And personal, you know, phone calls, personal notes, things like that, you know, they mean everything. And yeah, we can use the electronics, but they, they, they have a limit. They have a limit. When I was a young turf head, I was so focused on growing grass, man, and just killing it and just being filled with the knowledge. You know what I'm talking about? The knowledge. The knowledge of, of uh, you know, knowing every new product, knowing every new chemical, knowing every new practice, filling myself with the knowledge. And as I grew a little bit older, I came to understand that what I was gaining was more about who these people were. And I started to collect data on people, you know, where they went to school, who they came up under the business with, came up under in the business with, um, where they worked, what their, what their background was, what their family life was. Those things became important. And I started to fill my head with those things. And people like Jerry Coldiron filled their heads with those things. And there were a whole bunch of us that we, we started to really know each other and the people around us and in a different way. Look, this episode is to talk about an old friend. And for some of you, you've never met him. You don't know. It may be a little hard to connect, but can I tell you something? You got to try here. You have to try because somewhere in your world, somewhere there's a Dave Wilbur. Somewhere there's a Jerry Coldiron. Somewhere there are people that matter. So today I want, I want you to hear this and I want you to listen to the story of an old friend, of a great turf head, of a, an ambassador of the business who, who maybe didn't have an equal. I don't know, man. I, 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 you know, I don't want to be too emotional, but it's like this guy was just, he was really something. And... You know, I know I talk a lot about association stuff and the GCSA sometimes and all that sort of stuff. And I just sometimes I always wonder, you know, what if what if a few of us had been a little more embraced by by uh, the alphabets, you know, what we could have done. And I think about Jerry Coldiron, man. It's like, I wonder what he could have done for golf, for our business, for, you know. But, you know, the, the interesting thing, that's not what was important to him. You know, he wasn't a politician, right? You know, what was important to him is when he was a golf course superintendent was being really good at it and being there for his family and raising his sons, being a great husband, being a good part of his community. And then when his life changed and he, uh, and he became a commercial guy, he fostered relationships all over South Florida and the Caribbean. I mean, he was good at it. 
He's just, he was just good at it. He loved it. He loved people. You know, man, he, he mined gold at a really high level. I'm disappointed in myself that I didn't spend more time being in connection with Jerry Coldiron. Other, pe- other people got to, and that's really good. And one of the people that got to really called Jerry a, a very close friend was Peter McCormick, founder and maestro of TurfNet. And Peter is going to be here in a moment. And we're going to talk about Jerry, man. We're going to talk about an old friend. And again, if you don't know Jerry, you never met Jerry, I want you to listen to this because inside of what we have to say is the roadmap for greatness. Inside of that, the roadmap for greatness in our business is about fostering, developing, keeping relationships, making those things count. I'm convinced. I'm completely convinced. After this Thanksgiving and after the pain, I felt the loss of somebody who was just kind of always there. I always knew he was going to be there. He was always going to be there. And then like turning on a light switch. It's not. And I'm not going to get that encouraging text or that that great private message. Man, I'm not going to get it. I knew it was going to be there. I knew if I if I uh, spoke up about some of the pains that I was having in life, Jerry would be one of the first people to try to throw sunshine all over me, man, and just say, Dave, you got this. You got this. You're okay. I think about some other friends like, uh, and I'm, I'm just going to name some names. I mean, you know, please, if you're, if you're forgotten here, don't, I'm, I'm doing this without a script today. You know, what about, what about guys like Kevin Ross and Mike Kozak and, uh, uh, Rick Tegmeyer and Kevin Hicks, Ed Miller, Armin Suni, all of my friends, right? All of my relationships that, you know, there's so many, I, I can't even believe I started on a list. This is stupid. But here's the thing, man, we're all getting older and people's kids are growing up and things are happening and life stuff is happening. And, um, you know, and there's going to be that day, man, there's going to be that day when you want to get that supportive text from Dave Wilbur or that cool private message that says, you got this. Or man, I'm sorry about your dog dying or, you know, whatever it is, right? It's not going to be there. It's not going to be there. It is life, man. That is the fact of life. So let me encourage you today as I think about an old friend and as Peter McCormick joins me here in a moment to talk about an old friend. And to talk about, and just to, I don't know, what's the word? Eulogize? Sounds stupid. I hate that word. How about we celebrate? You celebrate the light of a great turf head? The light, I said, not life. The light, man. That guy put light into the turf world. You know, he wasn't a dick all the time. He wasn't a curmudgeon. He didn't bitch about everybody. You know, no, he was straight up 
finding the good stuff. I need that lesson, don't you? So as you listen to us celebrate the life of a friend, would you remember your friends? Would you remember the people that you have met that have made an impact? And would you think about what you're doing to keep those relationships alive? I'm Dave Wilbur. This is the Turfgrass Zealot Project. And this is a special episode celebrating the life of my friend. And hopefully by the end of this, he will be in some fashion your friend, Jerry Coldiron. I'll be back in just a moment with Peter McCormick. In honor of Jerry, I'd like to just, I'd like to leave you with just one more quote. This is from, uh, from Bono, lead singer of U2, and he, he said this at a commencement speech. And I think sometimes we all need to graduate and we all need to hear this kind of stuff. And I think Jerry and I would have shared this and he would have resonated with it. So I'm going to share it with you. And then we'll be back with Peter. Whether it's this or something else, I hope you'll pick a fight and get in it. Get your boots dirty. Get rough. Steal your courage. Make one last primal scream and go. Sing the melody line you hear in your own head and remember... You don't owe anybody any explanations. You know, I used to think the future was solid or fixed, Bono said. Something you inherited, like an old building that you move into when the previous generation moves out or gets chased out. But it's not. It's not like that. The future is not fixed. It's fluid. You can build your own building or hut or condo whatever you want. Bono said, my point is that the world is more malleable than you think. It's waiting for you to hammer it into shape. So go forth and build something with it. Hmm. I'll be back with Peter McCormick. This is the Turfcraft Salad Project. Peter McCormick is here with me, and he's live and in person. Hello, Peter. Hi, Dave. How are you? <laughs> me, I'm I'm okay. You know, I'm yeah. I'm, I'm just okay. I can't. You uh, and me both. You know, I, I guess the reason that we're here, uh, as I said in my introduction, was to uh, is to talk about an old friend, and um, I I think it's real important that people, even if you didn't know Jerry Coldiron. That, that you get to know him a little bit here. And that's what we're aiming to do, right? Is to uh, talk about a buddy, uh, talk about a, fe- a fellow turf head and all that stuff. And, and to let people get to know what a, what a blessing it was for us to know him, right? You're absolutely right. It's uh, when you lose a friend like this, not even if he's a friend or not, but when you lose a person like this, it's easy to... Uh, 
revert to uh, or invoke hyperbole and all that kind of stuff, um, mm -hmm. you know, with superlatives and all that stuff. But Jerry was one in a million. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, no kidding. One in a million and then some. So let's um, let's start here. Let's uh, let's just talk about how you kind of you and I kind of got the news. I mean, you got it first this weekend, and how how that all went down. And uh, then we can get into a little bit more about Jerry and stuff. But let's, sure, you know, I know this is pretty fresh, so we might as well talk about sure. it. Get out of the way. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, Thursday, Thanksgiving. Typically and normally, my uh, favorite day of the year. Uh, it's the only holiday that hasn't been commercialized yet, and I rarely ever go anywhere. Love to cook and all that stuff and have a house full of family and all that. Well, this Thanksgiving started off a little weird because, uh, oh, 10 days or so ago, my wife had to go down to New Jersey to take care of her ailing mother, who's 95, Um and we'll be there for a couple of weeks. So all of a sudden, it was me and the dogs. And my younger daughter, Erin, lives about an hour north of here in Vermont. So she invited me up on Thursday. She was going to cook. Uh, and then my other daughter, Colleen, and her husband were going to come up for Boston, from Boston on Friday. And I was going to cook on Friday. So I'm over at Erin's house with the dogs, you know, football games on, all that stuff. And it was a disconnected day for me. Uh-huh. Tried to be anyway. Yeah. And I don't know. Aaron got a, I don't know whether it was a text or a DM through Facebook or something from John Kiger. Mm -hmm. And it said, is your father there? Yes. Well, you better have him call me because I just found out that Jerry Coldiron died. Mm-hmm. And I said, thought to myself, what? You know, you've just got to be kidding me. Yeah. And uh, so I uh, I called him back and he said he, I guess he had seen something come across Susan's, uh, Jerry's wife's Facebook feed and put two and two together. And there you go. Apparently he had had uh, a couple of cardiac episodes Saturday night, uh, they he was with some friends who were able to apply CPR and all that. Got him to the hospital, got him straightened out, and um, I don't know whether they released him or not. But uh, Wednesday night he had a uh, a massive cardiac arrest, and mm. that was it. Mm. Wow! Wow! No inkling, yeah, no inkling or any. Yeah. You know, any sign. Right. It wasn't one of those things where Jerry had told any of us that he was fighting this, that, or the other, or, you nope. know, whatever. Right. I mean, that's just not how it was working for him. As oh. of the, as of the 16th, I think, which was his last Facebook post. Of course, it was of a rainbow, you know, and it, his just about every day he was posting pictures of sunrises, sunsets, rainbows, right. he and Susan out, you know, down in the keys or he lived in Boca Raton, Florida. So, um, uh, he's kind of a Jimmy Buffett guy, but, uh, <laughs> right. you know, well, he was, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, he was 60 years old. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it hit me hard, harder 
well, number one, he, he's w- one of my, became one of my small handful of very good friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of acquaintances, um, but very few that I can call real, true, honest, good friends, b- yeah. best friends. Yeah. And, you know, I think, I think everybody could probably say that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's you know, th- when it, when push comes to shove and, you know, you're down on your luck or, you know, this is the kind of guy who would, you know, how much money do you need? You want the shirt off my back? You want the sandwich off my plate? What, whatever it happens to be. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right, let's go, let's go back and let's just like, you know, how, how'd you meet Jerry? How did, uh, you know, how did your acquaintance get started? I mean, it's like, how did you guys build this friendship? Um, when I wax, uh, philosophical, <laughs> I often wonder, <laughs> I often wonder how two people, how the, how two people's paths cross in life and whether it's sort of according to some master plan, whether it's, um, serendipity or whether it's just pure happenstance. Uh-huh. But. In any case, uh, just a little quick bio of, of Jerry. He grew up in uh, northeastern Kentucky, Florence, Kentucky, and went to uh, Eastern Kentucky University, worked in the golf business for 25 years uh, for the Boone County Park System, which had two golf courses, mm-hmm. uh, Boone Links and Lassing Point. Right. And... Uh, then he retired from there and moved uh, down to Boca Raton, Florida, right. where he worked for Hector Turf, the Toro club card distributor down there. Yeah. And he covered the Caribbean. <laughs> which, which I, I don't know, to me, I mean, that's just, it's just so funny because when I first met Jerry, you know, in Kentucky, right? He just, yep. he talked about vacationing a lot, you know, and warm weather and warm water and stuff. And he said to me, you know, one day I'm going to live on an island or close to it. I mean, that was, you know, 20 years ago, right? Yeah. If if I could have scripted uh, any part two of Jerry's career, I could not have done it better than he did. Right. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, you know, and we would tease him and say, well, you cover the Caribbean. I mean, you know, but he did. He did a period of time there, didn't he, for a different <clears throat> manufacturer, a different distributor or something where he was, you know, pulling, yeah. the, tra- pulling the trailer around yeah. and doing the iron salesman thing, right? I mean, he did. Yeah, that. very briefly. L- let me give you the quick skinny on his, uh, on okay. his career path, which I think is, is fasc- it, it's fascinating Marvelous. in, in yeah. several different ways because, okay, so he went to Eastern Kentucky University and... I'm I'm assuming I don't know for sure what career or curriculum he took, but I'm guessing that it was a hort, you know, horticulture. It was hort oriented, yeah, 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 exactly. In that that respect, so 25 or excuse me, 21 years old, he goes to work for Boone County Parks. I I don't know what position, you know, he could have been raking bunkers and stuff like that, uh, second assistant. I I don't know. Mm-hmm. 21 years old, that's important to. Uh, you know, important to note. So he progresses along the 
away. And he was technically competent, but beyond his technical competence were his people skills. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And he ultimately became certified, uh, went on to, you know, become director of golf course operations or whatever it is whatever the title was for both mm-hmm. 18 holes. So he comes 25 years go by. Uh, they have three kids. He and Susan have three kids, boys. And they say, uh, you're going to retire, pal. He figured out somehow or another, I don't know how the finances of this work, but if he, if he kept working past 46 mm-hmm. after his 25 years were up, it would end up costing him more money than right. it, it right. would if he retired. And I don't, know, I don't know how that stuff works, but so here he is. He's retired at 46 years old with two-thirds salary and benefits. Mm-hmm. So to those who... You know, early in <laughs> early in his career, uh, or, or there was a time when Muni guys, you know, the the municipal, sure. uh, county government, you know, whatever it happened to be, they were you know sort of second class citizens um, compared to some of the private uh, club guys. Sure, but as this you know this age of you know mid forties comes across the private club guys are starting to get nervous about, you know, their salaries up there. They're getting old. They've been around. When are they going to get canned? Jerry walks away with a nice package at 46. I say, what am I going to do next? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And that, yeah, I mean, it was (laughs) right. I love it. So he was still in, in Kentucky and he took a job. It's kind of a humorous story too. He took a job with whatever the Jacobson distributor was at the time. Uh-huh. And I'm not sure what, which I, I think the company has been absorbed by. Yeah, I think so. Uh, right. Neighboring since, but, um, so he got a territory and they gave him a truck and a trailer and he was schlepping the stuff around and he, he pulls it, <laughs> he pulls into one superintendent's office and, and, uh, introduces himself, gives him the business card uh gives him his little spiel and the superintendent turns around and there's a bulletin board behind him he says okay i'm going to tack your card I take this thumbtack and i'm going to tack your card on top of the stack of the other guys who have come in here before him, <laughs> before you telling me the exact same story right, right. <laughs> sure so he, he he called me after that and, you know because we talk a, a lot i I spent 10 years peddling iron too. And right. You know, right. So he was picking my brain about, you know, that part of the business. Um, but somehow or another, and I don't remember exactly how, but I think it was somebody at Toro who passed along to him the fact that Hector turf, the Tor, the Toro distributor in South Florida yep. was looking for somebody. And Jerry went down, and if you knew Jerry, Jerry would always have a great interview, uh, just the people skills, the personal, you know. There's no way he could have a bad interview. Yep. So he ended up getting the job. Well, it turned out it was for the Caribbean islands. 
Uh, and, you know, to cut to the chase in the story, um, they, I guess they rented their home, rented out their home in Kentucky for a couple of years uh, and moved to Boca. Susan was a school teacher, so she got a job down there. Uh-huh. Jerry's, Jerry's got the... Uh, the Hector Turf the cushion of yeah. yeah. Well, Jerry's got the cushion of his... Retirement. You know, his uh, yeah. retirement thing. And so he starts, you know, he goes out and does his thing in the Caribbean islands. Uh, and this was the, t- this was the time like, well, he, let's see, this would have been 1706, seven, something like that. The Caribbean was still building and is still building mm-hmm. golf. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we never talked about money, but, when you're selling Toro and club car in new golf construction, yeah, you're going to do, you're going to do okay. Right. There are some packages involved there that are, yeah, yeah. exactly. You, you're right. you're going to do okay. But, uh, he didn't travel. Uh, I think he traveled about it one week a month. Right. That's what he uh, told me. Yeah. 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 I thought there would be more, but he didn't, he didn't do it that way. Yeah. Spent a lot of time on the phone. He said a lot of time with emails. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Well, well I, that was sort of a little bit about him. How we how we got to know one another was that so he was at Boone Links, mm-hmm. Lassing Point, Boone County Park. So I had started Turfnet in '94, and just to flash back to that um, era, we or we went online in '95. Okay. And back then. You know, there were no smartphones, very few cell phones. Email was was almost a novelty. Uh, Social media didn't exist. So this online communication or uh, uh, discussion forum kind of a thing was new uh, in a graphical interface anyway. Um, So I recall Jerry telling me after the fact that he and his... Uh, he got together with his assistants, Greg Palmer and um, Jerry Theory, and said, look, we've got to get involved in this. So they did. And that segues into the first time that I met him. And this is a pretty humorous story. I've got so many stories I could tell. Right. <laughs> I could I, tell the stories are great. So, okay. When did I first meet Jerry? Uh, it was 2000 and no, 1996 and GIS was in Anaheim and we were planning our first beer and pretzels event Okay, where the, you know, we get guys together who were yapping with one another online and, and meet one another and, um, right. Our little meetup thing. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, my brother Bob was working with me at the time, and we had lined up a sports bar uh, across from what used to be called the Duck Pond or something where the the Anaheim Ducks played. But in any case, yeah. So we said, look, let's. This was, I think that was scheduled for Wednesday night. Tuesday night, we said, let's go over to this place, check it out. We'll have a couple beers, and. Uh, you know, just so we'll get the lay of the land because, you know, prior to beer and pretzels the next night. So we do, and we're sitting at the bar. And next thing, uh, <laughs> next thing I know, Jerry walks up. He says, where's the party? 
<laughs> and he's got about eight of his guys with him and and Susan. Okay. I said, Jerry, party's tomorrow night. Party's tomorrow. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, well, all right. Well, we'll go sit over there. We'll, you know, we'll do our own thing. So the his group sits down at, around this big low round table in sort of a lounge kind of a uh arrangement. And after a while, uh, I go over to talk to him, and I stand behind Susan. Now, Susan's wearing a white pantsuit. Okay. Okay, now this is 96, so pantsuits were still cool. Okay, right. And so I was standing behind uh, her, and Jerry says, they had some appetizer-type stuff there. And he says, hey, you want a chicken wing or something? I said, yeah, all right, I'll have a wing. So he passes the platter of greasy buffalo wings (laughs) over to me and i grab one and again i'm reaching over susan and i grabbed that thing and it went squip right out of my right out of my fingers right down the front of her left lapel of her white jacket Oh, you know, it's yeah. the kind of thing where you just wanted to crawl under something. I mean, it was sure. like, I, I, I didn't know them. Right, right. You know, and here, yeah, here these, I, are, like, these are not friends at this point. These are people that yeah, you, no, you know. These are just, yeah. you know, first-time acquaintances. So I, I said, you know, let me get that dry clean for you. But I'm, oh, no, 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 no. They got So they got out the club soda and all that stuff and were working on it. And I felt about two oh. inches tall. <laughs> but. That was the kind that sort of laid the groundwork for what became, you know, a not only a very close friendship, but a very funny one. Right. Jerry and I got into situations over, you know, in various and sundry places on vacation and elsewhere that, you know, just (laughs) had to scratch your head and wonder. Yeah. Uh, But so that was the first time. Uh huh. Uh huh. Well, I, you know, here's my Jerry story. Um, cause we, you know, Turfnet was our, you know, that's how we all got to know each other. Right. And there were, you know, it was, sure. a, it was an intimate group at first. I mean, it really was, you know, that's not to say that you weren't doing your job, Peter, and growing thing you were, but I mean, you it, got you start know, somewhere. It, it started with something, right. And it started with, you know, a fairly small group. And I was, I was asking you earlier if, if you remember if Jerry was part of turf bite or not. And I think he may have come on just right, right at the end, but I'm not sure about that. And, uh, but Jerry always said to me, I always said, you know, if you're ever, you know, if you're ever in my neck of the woods, well, I hadn't really bothered to look at the map, right? I knew where Kentucky was and that was just about that. And, uh, um, and one day I just like, Oh, well, I got to figure out where this is. And I look at a map and I go, well, this isn't, this guy says Kentucky all the time and talks about what a hillbilly he is and stuff, but he's really in Cincinnati. I mean, the Cincinnati airport is literally down the street, right? <laughs> you know, which sure. I, I found out later the Cincinnati airport actually sits in Kentucky, doesn't it? But whatever. And I, so I was going to be flying somewhere and, uh, and I figured out how to go through Cincinnati specifically so that I could go meet Jerry Coldiron. And I just, I just thought that would be the coolest thing. And, and that guy was just, he was so unbelievably awesome. You know, he just stopped his whole world for me that day. And I had like a five hour layover, you know, you know, and he came and picked me up at the airport 
and we went and toured both golf courses and just had the best time. Laughed, yucked it up about people. You, you know, he was just the realest guy, right? Just so incredibly real. And, 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 you know, and a real, real turf grass guy, but he didn't necessarily always want to talk technical. He had a lot to say about working with Michael Hurston doing lasting point. He had a lot to say about just his whole situation with the County and, you know, the politics of his job, all those things. And I just thought, gosh, this guy, he makes himself out to be a hillbilly, right? He's not, he's not at all. You know, I mean, he may have that kind of slow talk and, you know, and some of that stuff, but it was like, he was just so unbelievably on top of it. You know, his maintenance shop was just so, everything was just so. And I was like, this this guy really has it going on. <laughs> you know, that's what I left there thinking. This guy the, has it The going hillbilly on. thing is actually kind of funny because to this day or, you know, until very, very recently, he still, um, quipped about that made made fun of it and he did have um his own way with certain words particularly as they became uh longer and had multiple multiple uh syllables uh, syllables and stuff you know so so he used to it, it it was a it was comical in fact sometimes but in any case yeah he he Always the, the hillbilly thing kind of was his foot on the ground, right? Right. That kept him from getting too full of himself or any of that type of thing. Yeah. Now, when it and this is this is another thing that I just I continue to laugh about. We adopted a dog um, out of Kentucky uh, just about this time last year. Okay. Uh, for, through the Kentucky Lab Rescue. Okay. And I posted some, you know, I went in the TurfNet forum and posted some pictures of him and and uh, beautiful dog. Um, and you know, sort of recounted the experience and all that kind of stuff. And <laughs> Jerry says something like that, uh, or no, I think John Kiger said, well, "That's the best thing to come out of Kentucky since." Jerry Coldiron left Florida. (laughs) And then Jerry says, yeah, who knows? We might even be kinfolk. (laughs) Just right away. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was perfect. (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) all right. So here's, here's my other Coldiron story. And then we're going to get to some other stuff. But, um, Joel Simmons and I were speaking at a conference together and, uh, I, we were in Cincinnati. Right. And, um, and Joel and I are both food people, you know, like we like food, you know, foodie. Is that the word? Sure. Foodies. Okay. Foodies. That's it. And I said to Joel, I said, listen, I, I want to, I want you to introduce, I want to introduce you to Jerry Coldiron, you know, while we're down there and, um, you know, let's take Jerry somewhere nice for dinner or whatever. And he's, Joel's like, he's totally into it. Right. You know, meet a great turf guy, go eat. Not a problem. And I said, by the way, you're buying. He says, that's fine. I'm I'm good with that. You know? So, um, so we go get Jerry and we go to this place called the Montgomery Inn in Cincinnati. Have you ever heard of this place? No, they're never f- been to Cincinnati. They're famous for their ribs. Okay. Like famous, famous, you know, barbecue sure. ribs, right? The Montgomery Inn. And, uh, and Jerry, who's been there a hundred times, probably, probably doesn't think this is very special, you know? 
But Joel and I are like, oh, we're, we're you know, we're getting to eat at the Great Montgomery Inn. You know, this is ticking the box for us. And, uh, you know, Jerry's been there a hundred times. He didn't care that much. But it was a nice night, and it was, you know, it was a, it was a great time. And he just was so gracious and so, you know, he's just like, he acted like it was the first time he was there. You know what I mean? Right. He just, yeah. he couldn't, he couldn't have been more fun to be with. And, um, you know, hell, I think he knew about half the people that were sitting around us somehow. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, like, like, yeah, like he's getting recognized and stuff. And, um, so, and, you know, and, and Simmons and I, a lot of times, you know, we don't know how to turn off the turf thing. And so we're kind of having turf discussions and stuff. And Jerry just doesn't want to, he don't want to talk about grass anymore. You know, he wants to talk about life and, uh, vacationing and, you know, family and his kids. And, you know, he just refused to have a technical turf discussion with us. Well, we we're gonna sit, and he finally kind of said something about it. He kind of said, "Now look, you know, you guys enough gotta, is enough, right? You guys got to learn to talk about something else besides grass." Is what he said. Sure, you know, and it was a really good moment. It was like a good thing to you know to kind of realize, yeah, it doesn't always have to be about all this. But uh, he, uh, and then it, so it comes time for the bill, and he and Simmons are wrestling over the check, and Jerry just won't hear of, you know. Joel picking up that check, right? And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we'd had a few drinks and, you know, it's a fairly expensive place. I mean, uh, and he, Jerry just, and he really actually kind of got mad you know, and just insisted that, that Joel let him pick up the check. And so finally, you know, Jerry won. And that was just him, man. It was just, it was just him in a nutshell. He just absolutely he made sure we had a good time. He made sure that, you know, it's like, hey, you're in my town. You know, I'm going to take care of you. Um, perfect host, perfect host, perfect guy, perfect conversation. And, uh, Joel and I are driving back to the hotel or wherever we were, you know, where we were speaking, you know, cause we had kind of all met there. And I looked at, I looked at him and I said, I think, I think that he has it more figured out than you and I do. <laughs> and exactly. he, he said, you're absolutely right, Dave, you know? <laughs> so, but it was just, it's just like the best conversation and the, you know, the yep. best stories yep. and stuff. And, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I loved about Jerry is that every time I saw him, he always had, it was always the best, the best thing, the best moment, the best big hug, you know, whatever yeah. it was. And that was that guy, you know? So I think I mentioned before that he was a big, uh, Jimmy Buffett fan, yeah. both musically and lifestyle yep. wise, I think. Um, but he, he really loved music and um, I think he took vicarious pleasure in my recent experience over the last three years of learning to play the guitar. Uh-huh. And he would very frequently send me links to YouTube videos of this, that, or the other thing, and you know various types and styles of music. But he would occasionally say, now, or he would quote something, from from the lyrics or something like that. And it occurred to me that, I mean, I listen to music um, more on the instrumental end as opposed to the lyrical end. Yeah. As sure. a matter of fact, when I listen to a song very, you know, until I've listened to it four or five, six times, I don't have any clue what the lyrics are. <laughs> not, so Jerry not only listened to the lyrics, he lived the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, he really did in so many ways 
uh, it was nuts. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he took that stuff to heart. That's really true. That's really true. Well, what, I mean, so, uh, you know, talking about, talking about like what kind of guy he was, I mean, more recently, I mean, obviously the, the Caribbean got whacked, you know, in a couple of spots and he was pretty instrumental in rallying the troops a little bit to get some, you know, to get some help going, you know, for turf heads down there. Right. I mean, well, this was the only time that I can remember ever seeing him. I didn't, well, seeing him irritated or, uh, pissed off even. And that was regarding our government's, uh, response to the issues in Puerto Rico, where he had a lot of customers that, as most people do, become good friends. Sure. And he was incensed about that. Yep. He was. <laughs> he was. Yeah. And, and so, he, you know, he was trying to do some stuff about all that. I mean, he had some stuff going on Twitter. You know, he got Kevin Ross and I to, you know, retweet some stuff. I mean, he really... Yeah, yep. he wanted to make a difference. He wasn't going to just stand by and watch that happen. And, you know, I love well, I'm, yeah, I'm sure he would have liked to have done more than he could, but you couldn't get there. Yeah, right. There's no way to, you know, to do all that. And I, I mean, that kind of goes to the fact that, you know, that Twitter, Facebook, things like that, networking like that was really huge to him. You know, he didn't have any problem reaching out to everybody he knew and saying, let's, let's do better. Let's do something. Yeah. Right. And he wore his heart on his sleeve with so much, so much of that stuff um, was, and that's, I think, where his positivity and his zest for life and that type of thing really became evident, where yeah, I think his favorite hashtag was blessed. Yeah. Um, Always use that. Yeah. Or uh, what was the other one? Um, let me think. I don't, I bless is oh. the one I remember. I don't. Yeah. I don't, em, embrace, know. embrace life. And the other one was La Familia. Oh, right. Yeah. He La Familia. Was, yeah. That's true. He was always using that also, but, um, he had a, in, in addition to the, uh, the, the social media stuff. And I encourage anybody, everybody to go to look up Jerry cold iron yeah. on Facebook and on Twitter, and Twitter. is yep. his, um, Handle was Carib Turf Man. Yep, because he covered the Caribbean. And you can search Jerry Cold Iron. You know, spelled just how it sounds with a, you know, with a J, and yeah. come up come up with Carib Turf Man too. And that stuff is still there. Yeah, and it's uh, you know that's the quickest way to get to know the man. Mm -hmm. These days, I think he, um, you know, when I was thinking about this, uh, another person. Uh, came to mind, and that was Gordon Wittavine. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, Gordon was a retired superintendent uh, from Toronto, was in the business for 50 years, Forever. I think. And yeah. he and I became, you know, odd couple friends, if you will. He was 20 years older than I at the time, which didn't really make any difference. But, um, you know, very different kind of people. But we, Again, we hit it off, and Gordon had the habit of, he would call me. My phone would ring every couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. Peter, it's Gordon. Hey, Gordon, what's going on? And, <laughs> you know, because he, he told me, he said, look, 
if you don't work at relationships, they soon go away. Right. Right. And that is very true. And I think everybody who listens to this podcast can uh, go through a little introspection and realize how many people who were once big in their life are now, yeah. you know, almost forgotten because sure. somebody or everybody stopped reaching out. But um, Jerry did the same thing, and, and sometimes he did it at odd times. He got in a habit of ringing me up about 7 o'clock on Sunday morning. Sometimes it was earlier, and uh, the phone would ring. He knew I, was, I would be working then because I always get up early, and I do a little, a little work every day of the week. And uh, Jerry, what's happening? He says, well, I'm down here sitting on the beach watching the sun come up. And I thought about you, and I thought I'd give you a holler. Now, how awesome is that, yeah. really? Yeah. When you think about it, a lot of people who, you know, move to the water, uh, after X number of years, it sort of becomes part of the wallpaper. You know, yeah. oh, yeah, that's the ocean over there. You know, let's blah, blah, blah. But he, he didn't do that. The ocean was um, big for him. That's right. uh, again, he, yeah. he just loved, loved the sunrises, uh, sunsets, particularly over the ocean, just uh, something he loved uh, a lot and just posted about them almost constantly. Um, he, I, I'd often wonder when I saw five or six different sunset shots in one week from mm -hmm. different places, how the hell does he do this? You know, right, usually right. he and Sue are eating dinner somewhere or having cocktails or whatever. And, and yeah. uh, you know, it could be down in the Keys or it could be somewhere else. And and uh, thinking, man, this guy does it. He doesn't sit around. He goes for it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, which I think is why maybe some of us are, are all so shocked, you know, at the, uh, you know, when you know those larger-than-life people, you know, who do that kind of stuff and who who have in some ways maybe an envious lifestyle or whatever. And then you go, wait a minute, the guy just dropped dead, you know, like it's just a little, yeah. it's a little, you know, some people you go, yeah, that was a tough time for them. You know, they've been struggling for the last few years, whatever, you know, and, and maybe it's better. They didn't suffer, you know, that kind of thing. Not in this case, it's like unexpected, you know, larger than life, dude, really? You're not here anymore. That's, that's ridiculously hard to yeah, process there, for me. There, you know? There's almost something that makes me think that, that he had some sort of a, an idea subconsciously that he really needed to go for it. And because, you know, whether he wasn't, gonna, whether he wasn't going to last that long or, uh, he was a big, uh, Jimmy V, Jimmy Valvano fan. Right. Uh, That's right. Yep. The, uh, North Carolina state basketball coach who died at, I don't know, late forties, something like that of brain cancer and, and went on to become a huge motivational speaker and that kind of thing. And, and Jerry was a big, big fan of his, took a lot of that to heart. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pretty tough. So it was, uh, yeah. So I, again, I think that some, maybe he knew something. I, I don't know. He was always ready for anything. Didn't matter what it was. Right. 
Uh, right, right, right. right. It, it's almost like a dog in that in that respect. You want to go for a walk? Yeah, let's go. This kind of thing. It, yeah, you can probably cut probably cut that out. <laughs> no, we're not gonna. We're not, you know we're not into that much editing here. So okay, so let's talk about. So I mean, he started to visit you. I mean, did, wasn't he at both of the girls' weddings? Both of your daughters' weddings. He and Susan were there. Yes. Right. Yes. We um, we we told our daughters that this is your day and that you are going to make the guest list. Okay. That Patty and I weren't going to get get involved in it, other right. than offering advice or guidance if if, if asked. asked. Yeah. <laughs> and they they both wanted Jerry and Susan to be there. Wow. So yeah. Because and they had met them, for the most part, just at very, when they were when they were young. You know, they used to go to the to uh, the national with me, and uh-huh. they they went to the first few beer and pretzels and all that kind of stuff. So they got to know Jerry through that. Right. Um, and a lot of times when I would exhibit, he would come around and hang around the booth, and you know yeah. they'd be there and stuff. But uh, but in any case, Erin, uh, when she got married. Um, she had asked uh, a half a dozen people to stand up and offer a blessing. And this was uh, outdoors in Vermont uh, in the fall. It was just a beautiful setting and stuff. And, uh-huh. and she wanted Jerry to do one. <laughs> I told her, let's uh-huh. make sure it's a simple one with not too many multi-syllable <laughs> words. <laughs> oh, jeez. Give him the hillbilly. Uh, just, ki- just kidding, of course. But... Uh, but th- this was what she asked him to read. It it was, may you go confidently in the direction of your dreams, rejoice in the way things are, and know that there is nothing lacking. Right. That's him. Yeah. <laughs> Boy. <clears throat> so cool. Wow. So I let, mean... me, let me tell you another quick, a couple quick anecdotes. These are pretty funny. Okay. Um, yeah. He was one of the first. We, we built our house up in the uh, up in the Maritimes in eastern Canada um, in oh oh four oh five. So um, summer of oh five, he was one of our first guests. He and Susan came up, and um, I was still doing some work around the property. And so I said to him one day, I said, "Jerry, you want to help me do some chainsaw work and and uh, <laughs> maybe burn some stuff?" He says, "Yeah, and I'm a fire guy." Said you wouldn't believe some of the fires we had back at the golf course. <laughs> so, so I take this little metal fire pit thing that I have, and I was just going to throw some branches on there, light them up, and keep it somewhat contained. You know, well, you know, ha- half an hour later, that pile was about eight feet high. The fire, the fire was so hot that the fire pit melted and uh, and sort of compressed itself down. And the spruce trees and everything up in the canopy up above it were singed for like the next 10 years. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I still have that fire pit. And actually, I named it the, uh, the it, uh, I named it the Cold the Iron Memorial the Fire co- Pit. The Cold Iron. <laughs> because I sort of stretched it apart, you know, to make it functional again. Yeah. But, but the other little anecdote about that was... Um, you know that where we are there, the tides are among the highest uh, in the world, and the tide changes four to five feet per hour. Right. Yeah. And the beaches there are partly sand, and then they're partly these uh, rounded, 
uh, granite stones Stone. of yeah. yeah multiple colors and patterns and circular swashes through them and yeah. you know the, the, so one of the favorite things that some of our guests do is go rock hounding yeah so Jerry and Susan had rented a uh, it was a Blazer or Bronco or something or other four wheel drive so some of these rocks were or stones were a little bit on the large side. So Jerry says, Let, let's just take it down on the beach. And so we don't have to carry them up here, which we did. And then I turn around and look and whoops, the water's coming up. So I said, Jerry, we better get out of here. And he uh, gets in the car and the tires start spinning on these smooth stones and it wasn't going anywhere. And the water's coming up and the water's coming up. Finally, we got it out of there. Well, first of all, he said, you know, he said, don't worry about it. If we get stuck and this thing goes underwater, I'll just, I'll report it stolen. <laughs> somebody, <laughs> somebody will find it in the water out right. of here. Right. <laughs> but thankfully, we didn't have to do that. We, we helped some driftwood and stuff like that. We finally got the thing out of there. But it was not without a little bit of panic. Right. Oh, man, the tide's coming in. That's the kind of nonsense that we used to get involved in that, uh, you know, was just just classic. Right? That is classic. Don't worry about it. We'll just report it stolen. I can just hear him saying that. It's like his mind would just come up with that, you know? So, oh, my goodness. That's nuts. Well, you know, I mean, from from a turf grass side of things, I mean, again, you know, talking about Cincinnati, I mean, you know, kind of the transition zone, I mean. Jerry actually was a good grass guy, and I know he really enjoyed working with with Dr. Hurston. Spoke very yep. highly of of Michael Hurston and Dana Fry and uh, and their work at Lasting Point. You know, I think he really wanted their architectural vision to to be strong, even at a muni thing. You know, he was saying that, but and so I mean, he really was you know way into the craft of being a superintendent. Did you guys ever talk about why he didn't? I mean. He, to me, it seemed like he was a natural for, um, you know, GCSA office, that kind of thing. I mean, it, it, did he ever talk yeah. to you about how he felt about that stuff? No, no. Well, we didn't really talk about it, but I know he had no, no interest in no it. No political aspirations whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. But, but did get certified and stuff, <clears throat> you know, yes. did all that, but, uh, yep. but yet, you know, worked unbelievably well with people, you know, that's. Yeah, in a, in our in our in my two tours with him, you know, two visits with him. Uh, did you do some consulting with him? You at, know what you know what I did is, is I did uh, I did some soil test review stuff for him. You know, I didn't do a bunch wow. of visits there, but we would go over soil tests with him and and uh, right. talk about his fertility plan and stuff. It was simple, you know. And I mean, Jerry just wanted to keep stuff simple. He he had no desire whatsoever to overcomplicate anything you know it's like boil it down to the basics and keep it at that and he used to always talk to me about how he was blown away by how many people had tried to make the job much harder than it is you know it just didn't make sense yep, to him. for sure yeah yeah so i think at first he was a little worried that that was kind of my thinking until i really explained my minimalist philosophies to him yep. you know he was really cautionary and said i don't want to you know, less is best for me, right? Yeah, he'd he'd rather take things out than put more than put more on. Yeah, yeah. 
You know, one of the other things that, that I just wanted to touch on before we wrap this up um, was his family. Yeah. It's his family. Yeah, and, and, and also uh, our plans to honor him. Yep. Uh, Jerry and Susan were, uh, again, she was a school teacher. They've, they've, I think they met one another in 77. So they've been together for 40 long, years. Long time. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a long time. Yeah. Um, they have three boys. Uh, Josh, Jake, and Jared, kind of a, kind of a J thing going on there. Right. Um, but you know, let's reflect on the hillbilly heritage again a little bit. Um, Josh is an attorney, yep. mar- married an attorney. They just had, uh, their first child, which would be Jerry and Susan's first grandchild, Ellie right. Taylor. Yep. Uh, and I, I don't know for sure, but I'm guessing. Josh is um, maybe 32, something like that. Yeah, I was going to uh, say mid 30s. Early 30s. Yeah. yeah. Now, Jake, their second son, is a scratch golfer and works for Sandals Resorts in Florida. Mm-hmm. And Jared, uh, their youngest, I believe, is in their or in his second year of law school. That's right. So, so much for the hillbilly. Oh, I know. Exactly. I mean, that was the thing is you're talking about super amazing people who are just playing it down. Jerry playing it down. You know, I was like, really? You know? Yeah. Well, it was, if if you could see the two of them at work, Susan and Jerry uh, managing, I say managing, but mentoring, raising their sons. Uh, Susan was tough, man. She's like a drill sergeant with these guys. Which you'd, you'd almost have to be, you know, you put, you get five or three guys that are, I don't know what the spread of ages is, five, six, seven years, maybe. Sure. Uh, that's a handful. Yeah, man. You and I, I remember her being up on Campobello at our summer place, just barking things into the phone at these guys, you know, <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, Jerry's outside having a beer. Right. So he but, called, uh, he called her St. Susan. St. Susan is what he referred to her as. Yeah. And uh, just loved her to pieces. And the boys, you know, um, well, what what can you say? You know, they were they were his life. And uh, right, raised to respect, good, raised to respect mom and dad, and and particularly good, mom. Good and, kids. <laughs> yeah, know, good kids. Dad was the comic relief. I'm sure a lot more. Yeah, than but you know, it's a, it's it's almost the same way in my family, where my wife was always the. You know the discipline. <laughs> right. When mom puts her foot down, sure. That's I was kind of the goofball, but uh, yeah, that's the way it was. In my you know, at the too. end of the day, that you know, my kids came out great. His kids came out great, and it it's the constant attention. I think that that uh, yeah, really does that. Yeah, the idea that they mattered and they were super important, and you know, all that sort of stuff. And they did things together, right? You know, vacations, right. uh, all that stuff. They they did things together. Yeah, they sure did. All right, so let's talk about. Okay, you know, so I'm I'm just thinking about you know some people that may be listening to the podcast and like, gosh, we don't really know this guy, but now we know him a little bit better. And uh, you know, you got to feel the emotion that we have over this a little bit because this is one of our buddies, you know. And I think I think some of you younger turf heads that are listening. It may not impact you this much right now, you know, but later as you go through the business and you start to really deepen some of your relationships, um, you start to realize you're getting older and things are changing. 
And so in this particular case, it makes us face our mortality a little bit too, doesn't it, Peter? Unfortunately. Yeah, it, it does. Um, I never really worry too much about that. And I'm sure Jerry didn't. No, um, he didn't at all. No, no, no. no. Um, but I think that, you know, as time marches on, I, I think you really get to, uh, you know, your friends and acquaintances, and acquaintances sort of fall into a loose hierarchy, if yeah. you will. Yeah. And, and the ones that rise to the top really become more and more and more important. And, Unfortunately, few and farther between, I guess, you know, at least that's been my experience. Yeah. And I think, I think the thing about TurfNet and about all of our kind of networking has been, um, you know, I've always said this, like I'm, you know, I'm at my golf course, wherever I'm a little bit isolated and I had a chance to reach out and meet a guy like Jerry Coldiron, if not face to face, at least, you know, text to text. Right. And to yeah. have those conversations, I mean, you know, and I think it continues on TurfNet, and that's a good thing. It continues with Twitter and social media now because it's more. But we were, we were breaking ground in that whole deal. You know, we were we were doing things and saying, hey, yeah, you know, I it's great to network with the superintendents in my local area, but what about what about guys across the country? You know, and and sure. just do, doing it fearlessly. You know, and sort of saying, hey, well, I'm I'm curious. I want to know. You know, what? Well, and, you know. Going back to Thursday afternoon when I found this out, um, my first reaction was, well, I got to tell some people. Right. Yeah. Well, who did I tell? Yeah. <laughs> so, I go. so I sent an email, obviously, to John Kiger and John Reitman, who both work with me, but yeah. I included you, Kevin Ross, yeah. uh, Randy Wilson, Hector, Rick Tegmeyer, Matt Crowther, mm-hmm. Paul McCormick. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of who else might have been on there. <laughs> that was that was the but, list. But, yeah, but these are the guys, you know. That again, none of none of us would have known each other. And, you know, nobody, none right. of us would know each other if it weren't for the the TurfNet connection. Absolutely, true story. And you could almost hear the the collective tears. You know, I mean it. Yeah. And Jerry, you know, Jerry was part of that. Jerry would have been on that list if he wasn't on the, right. the subject end of it, you know? Right. Absolutely. Jerry would have been. And I know I text, I texted with Kevin Ross a little bit later in the day, and I just wanted to, you know, because, you know, sometimes, you know, it's Thanksgiving Day. You don't always check your email, right? You know, even with smartphones and stuff. I try to put the phone down sometimes. It's really yeah, hard. That's what I tried to do, too. But it's like, you know, hey, Kevin, did you get Peter's email? And he's like, yeah, I did. And I don't, I don't know. I'm just, I'm sort of, I don't know what to say. You know, and um, I was at a gathering when I got that and I just sort of sat down and I just sort of lost it for a minute. You know, like I just <laughs> I couldn't pr- my my brain could not process what I had just read. You know, just couldn't process it. And well, uh, here we are, you know, four or five days later and I'm still my I'm still trying to get my head around it. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, so. Having said all that and, and talking about that, I mean, we've been, we've been having quite the discussion in email about, you know, what can we do to honor Jerry? Right. What can we do to get people to get to know Jerry? Obviously the podcast here is part of it. I mean, what else, you know, what else are you thinking? Well, um, I, I communicated with, uh, Josh cold iron, uh, their oldest son. And, uh, 
I'm trying to, um, well, he basically said, look, uh, TurfNet was very, very important to his, to his father. Mm-hmm. And they talked about it and they talked to the people at uh, the Man- Manti Manly, Manti family at Hector Turf. Okay. And they concurred and said that they, you know, they would like us to, you know, sort of spearhead some sort of a memorial type of thing. Okay. At which point I, you know, threw it out to you guys again. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what, what, what do you think is appropriate? What, uh, because we, we obviously want to remember him, but we also more than that, I think we want to continue on with his, uh, positivity, his, right. his, uh, you know, living life to the fullest, uh, and recognize and, and promote and encourage that type of thing. So, yeah. um, what we're, what we're going to do is we're going to create the, um, uh, and again, let me t- looking for the, uh, <laughs> the actual name that they use. Don't laugh because I'm, because you want to be correct. Oh, well, I do. Peter wants to be correct. I love it's that about It's going you. to be the Jerry Cold Iron Embrace Life Foundation, Inc. Wow. Yes. Oh, my God. How cool. And it's a cool so We're going to set up. Yep. And the URL is going to be jerrycfoundation.org. I'm going to do that website for him. Okay. Uh, Josh, being an attorney, is going to get the foundation set up. And the idea is that in lieu of flowers and that type of thing, um, we're going to encourage people to send a few bucks into this thing. And then mm-hmm. what we're planned to do is to um, give out uh, at least one, if not multiple, uh, annual awards, which would be um, a cash stipend. Um, to people who, and let me read this to you as well. Let me go back and get this because that is important. Let's see. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Hey, you know, it's important. man, being correct is important. I'm totally into that. Okay. So the the Cold Iron Awards, for short, would be cash awards given annually to recognize an individual or individuals within the golf turf industry who live lives of positivity, caring, sharing, and compassion for others, who are or who are experiencing personal hardship due to illness, natural events, or job loss. Now that's not to get in the face of we won. We're not going to, you know. Right. Yeah, exactly. Compete with them or anything. Yeah, we want to do the Wayne Auto Foundation. I agree. Right. Yeah. Or do something special uh, or for those who do something special for the natural world, which was a special thing Yeah. for Jerry or yeah. to Jerry. Yeah. So. Wow. That's very cool. And yeah. It's, and I it's mean, very cool that Josh is involved. And I mean, you know, Susan will be in, you know, we'll keep these guys as family. And they're just going to well, be our family. Susan, you know? Susan wants to come to uh, San Antonio. With the, these announcements will probably be made around Thanksgiving. 
if there are awards to be or checks to be presented, she right. would like to do that at Beer and Pretzels. Nice. Which we're going to, um, I'm going to make up a, a big banner type thing with Jerry's mug on it and uh, uh, have that by the entrance with Jerry welcoming everybody to Beer and Pretzels because that was probably the favorite thing oh, of his it. during the year. He loved it. Yeah, absolutely loved it. Have well, a drink, because, you know, have a drink it, it gave Jerry. him a it gave him a chance to uh, work the crowd, yep. uh, say hey to people he knew, but more importantly, I think, meet people that he didn't know. Right. He loved that. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And, uh, <laughs> that was so cool. So cool. Yeah. So it, yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a way for us to, you know, just keep his memory alive. It's, he meant so much to so many people. And again, it's, you know, it may be cliche to say that, but it's true. And it's, <laughs> I just can't, I can't express, you know, how much he meant to me and my family and, you know, so many other people as well that, um, you know, we just have to do something to keep that alive. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Oh man, I just, I, yeah, I can just see. I can see some really cool stuff coming out of this and um you know I don't think anybody's trying to again we're not trying to be we one we're not trying to you know there's there's other people that are doing really really cool things I think about you know John Pollock and how much he does with the Duff Shaw deal in Southern California and I mean all those sorts of things right so but I mean it's, it's the right thing to do you know to keep Jerry to keep Jerry in the mix just the right thing. Well, think, think about that. I'm, I'm just thinking, of, you know, off the top of my head, you take like Bastis and Bauer with all of their stuff that they do. And, and, um, um, uh, even Matt, Matt Crowther or, yep. uh, the guys who are doing the, you know, the beekeeping stuff or, you know, the possibilities, you know, are endless as, as, uh, the saying goes, but, um, this is going to be a non-traditional thing. This is not going to be, you know, another, uh, environment, you know, steward or environmental stewardship thing or, or anything like that. It's, it's going to be casual like Jerry was. And, um, we'll find people who do things a little different or aren't, who would not ordinarily be recognized. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I love it. I just absolutely love it, Peter. Yeah. And I so love it's going to be good. His uh, memorial services this Saturday coming up in Boca. I'm going to go down. Are you? Good. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've been uh, on sort of a uh, airplane and yeah. hotel diet for the <laughs> we, last year. We love how much you know, <laughs> how much you love to fly. But, you know, yeah, so, I think, I think but, this is a worthy, a worthy reason to get you on a plane, yeah. don't you think? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I will yeah. be there okay. for sure. Good deal. I love that. Yeah. All right, Peter. Well, listen, that's our time. And uh, I know there's there's lots more we could talk about, Jerry, and we will. Um, yeah. Is there anything else that, we, uh, that we've missed? No, just, you know, keep your eyes peeled for, um, you know, announcement of the, the launch of the foundation. And, uh, you know, if you've got it. Ten or twenty dollar bill that could uh, go in there. That would be awesome. If you have more, that would be even more awesome. Um, but it, it's going to 
it's going to be uh, it's going to be a fun thing to administer, I think. And uh, um, you know, we're going to just uh, keep shining his light. Yeah, good. I love that. I love that. And you know, from my standpoint, um, you know, I I I just think it's important again to mention to to some of you all that may be listening. You know, okay, you don't know this guy, right? But you have people in your world that are, you know, especially in your, in your turf grass world that you're starting to build relationships with. It's super important to make those relationships count. I mean, you know, all the names that you've been hearing today and all these, you know, all this kind of group of people that got this email on Thanksgiving. Um, you know, we all, we all have some really great connections that started in, in real basic and real simple kind of ways. And, uh, you know, I just, I just know as I get a little bit older, I don't want to miss those connections. I don't want to miss making that stuff work, you know? And, uh, I know I, I don't always practice the Stephen Covey thing, but part of, part of the seven habits, you know, is to do some communication and some correspondence just on a personal level. If not every day, at least, you know, at least, you know, at least setting out time to do that, you know, as much as possible. And, uh, you know, those things matter. So, you know, my whole thing is my encouragement is, Find those relationships and make them count because there's going to come that day when you're not going to be able to pick up the phone and call that person. And that just sucks. That's for sure. Right. You know, and that, that picking up the phone and calling somebody is for whatever reason, it can be tough to do. Yeah. But once you do it and you, you know, you talk for 10 minutes, you talk for an hour, whatever it happens to be, you always feel better afterwards. Yeah. Always, always, always. Yes, sir. Hey, let's end with that. Shall we? All right. Good deal. Dave, thank you very much. Uh, stay tuned. Peter, you know, I love you. Thanks for all that you do for, for TurfNet, for all of us, for the industry. And uh, I appreciate you coming and, and spending some time here. Tough stuff, but uh, worthy, right? Yep. Would not have been my first choice of topic. But, right, uh, right. We wanted to but, have this rap session. We've been talking about it for a while, and we, I just don't think we wanted to, to no, quite do wasn't it this way. Be but, this, but yeah. let's uh, got to move on. All right. Well, listen, thanks, for, thanks, you guys, for listening. Thanks, for Peter, for you being here. And, uh, you know, the Turfgrass Ellet Project wouldn't exist without Peter McCormick, so I, I feel honored to have him get on any 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 time peter wants to talk to me in any way it makes me happy <laughs> so <laughs> there it is all right we will leave with that one there we go take all care right, take care dave yeah. well that's it special episode of the turfgrass ellet project is uh a tough one but a good one and i appreciate peter mccormick being here and obviously we recorded that just before jerry's memorial which was uh just a few days ago in Florida. Thank you for listening. Thank you for taking all this in. We know it's a tough subject. You know, it can't always be, uh, it can't always be the easy stuff. I'm Dave Wilbur. This is the Turfgrass Ellet Project. We're only on TurfNet. We're only on TurfNet Radio. Thanks for listening. And you may return to your life of killing grass. Take care.